welcome to the For We Are Many podcast. My name is Rob, and I will be your host this evening. Um, we've missed a couple of weeks on the stream. We have been working on getting uh, our incorporation underway. Um, and that's been taking a lot of our uh, time and resources, um, our manpower as, as well. Um, so tonight I want to talk about, uh, just a handful of things. Uh, hello to you too, James. Nice to see you. I know it's been a while, like I was just saying. Um, but tonight, uh, and, and I forgot to put the most important part in the description, uh, the Amazon union. Um, but we, we are also going to be discussing, um, Ukraine um a bit of a general update as well as the ongoing allegations of war crimes uh we're going to discuss arizona's anti-trans laws that were signed into law last week by doug ducey um we're going to be talking about other anti or other pending anti-trans sports bills uh so-called don't say gay legislation and i mean you know if i think of anything that has slipped my mind or if you lovely people have anything to suggest i am always open um man that that background music is nice no okay so first things first i want to um listen to chris smalls of the amazon labor union um I, I, I mean, the odds, it's like, it's like literally a David and Goliath story, right? We're talking about the richest man in the world being taken on by someone who was fired about two years ago from Amazon for trying to unionize. So that's a pretty crucial moment, I think. And uh, he shows up for a suit and tie fucking negotiation meetings um dressed as a worker not a suit and tie like the businessman so i think that that's very symbolic right so like they're not we're not going to meet them where they are no fuck no they're going to meet us where we are um anyway i have a clip from CNBC, uh, not my favorite source, but you know, it's, it's fine. Let's get this underway. Staten Island warehouse. What did you see that made you and others realize that this was needed and a worthy objective? Yeah, well, my journey started two years ago when um, I let a walk out over COVID-19 after um, Amazon failed to protect us. It, you know, we had no PPE, no facial mask, uh, no cleaning supplies, no real guidance, uh, no social distancing. And I tried to go through the proper channels, but the company uh, neglected to, uh, you know, hear us out. And ultimately, they just wanted to uh, stop me from organizing by quarantine, uh, just me and nobody else. So I let that walk out, which terminated me two hours later. And um, from that moment, you know, I traveled the country, advocated for workers' rights. You know, I didn't give up. 
especially after uh, Jeff Bezos himself signed up on a, a campaign calling me not smart or articulate to make me the face of the unionizing efforts. Yeah, and for our audience that may not know, uh, you were described in a leaked memo, as you mentioned, as not smart or articulated. You were fired from Amazon. You were arrested once. How did that all play into sort of this growing momentum for the unionization drive? And were you guys surprised winning this vote, especially since in Alabama at another warehouse last year, it, that vote went overwhelmingly in Amazon's favor? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, for me, um, everybody know I always have this calm, cool, uh, collective type of attitude. So for me, I wasn't surprised because I know we'll be uh, sacrificed. I know we'll be dedicated to this campaign. I know what I sacrificed personally. Um, I know the work that we put in. And, you know, we know our coworkers. You know, we organize our coworkers. Uh, this is the reason why we decide to have this independent worker-led union because we know the ins and outs of the company uh, even better than the company knows them, their own workers. So um, I, I just felt the whole entire time, no doubt in my mind, that we were going to be victorious. Um, and we proved that on April 1st. Uh, Chris. Uh... So there we go. Um, so I just want to, you know, once again say that he is very much, I think, representative of the working class in this moment. And as you see, he's not dressed in a suit and tie. He's dressed in his street clothes. Same thing when he goes to meetings. He's not dressed in a suit and tie. He's not meeting the businessmen where they are. He is showing up in work boots and a sweatshirt with burn holes in it, saying, you are going to meet us where we are. I think that this is just the latest thing in a string of labor movements that is only going to grow. We are sick of being exploited, right? I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying that. <clears throat> anyway, um, let's get back to what he's got to say. First of all, welcome once again. Um, th this started as a highly contentious relationship between you and Amazon to, to no small degree because people there belittled you, alienated you, thought they could win by making you the face of the union push, but you've won uh, this round. Yeah. You're, uh, so my question is on your strategy from here. Amazon's got a new CEO, right, since you started this. You are now a national figure in this new labor uh, movement. What's your approach from here? To what degree do you think you can cooperate more with Amazon leadership? Or to what degree do you think that's wise? Well, they don't have no choice. You know, the revolution is here. That's what we just witnessed on Friday. Um, we, we're going to organize uh, buildings all across the nation. You know, we, in the last 72 hours, uh, we've been contacted from workers all over the world. Um, so they want to unionize. We're going to absolutely help them. We're going to get it done here in New York first. We have another election coming up in three weeks. So we're right back at the campaign um, on the campaign trail. And once we're finished here in New York, we're going to spread just like the Starbucks movement is spreading across the nation. Hey, Chris, you clearly uh, understand a, a big part of the Amazon uh, workforce. But for those who voted uh, against unionization, what were their reasons, do you think, and what do you have to say to change their minds? 
Well, you know, I don't think we have to say anything too much. You know, they were misinformed. Amazon spent millions of dollars putting them into captive audiences for the last few months, every 20 minutes, every single day. Um, so imagine being put into a classroom, being drilled uh, anti-union propaganda for months. Of course, of course, some people are going to fall victim to that. And I think that's a, that's what we saw. You know, a lot of people just really didn't know they were uh, undecided. Um, the company is telling you to vote no. This is their main source of income. So, of course, they uh, they went with that. But mm -hmm. I think if we show them better, then we talk about it. We deliver our contract. We improve the quality of life. Um, I think they'll all come around and be on board. And I think that that is a pretty accurate assessment. I think the rest of them will come on board. I also think that just like the Starbucks union, this is going to be <clears throat> a rapidly growing, uh, explosive expansion. Um, as I was saying before, you know, we finished that, uh, that, that interview, um, we are sick of being exploited. It's not that nobody wants to work. It's that we shouldn't have to dedicate our lives to labor. Labor should enable us to live. And I've said, um, all right, what do I have next here? Oh yeah, Ukraine. I, to be honest, I'm kind of sick of talking about Ukraine. Um, that being said, I don't mean that to imply that we're done talking about it because it's too important of an issue to not talk about. <laughs> that being said, the propaganda is deep on both sides, probably. Um, but on American media specifically, there is only one viewpoint and that viewpoint is the viewpoint of the State Department. Um, yet again, I don't think this is <laughs> that new of a of a development, but, um, yeah, hold on. Uh, so I wanted to talk about Bucha today. I don't know if I'm saying that right. If I'm not, uh, feel free to correct me. Um, we're, we're gonna, I, I, not we, I'm much in the habit of saying we, I uh, will be um, saving the Bucha part of the part of the Ukraine conversation for towards the end of it. Um, that being said, more than 6,600 people have evacuated Ukraine via humanitarian corridors just today. So that is extremely good news. Uh, we've been saying since the beginning that we stand with the people of Ukraine. We stand with the people of Russia, but we do not stand, we firmly do not stand with either side. Though, uh, if you look at it objectively, <clears throat> it's hard to try to deny that um, Russia's stance is, is not one of the aggressor. Uh, this has been a largely defensive thing since 2014. Um, so Saturday, there will be corridors open from Mariupol and, uh, 
black cities in the Luhansk and Zaporizhia uh, regions. Um, yeah, that's it's good news. Finally, a little bit of good news, right? Um, European officials are saying that Russia uh, aims to achieve victory over Ukraine by May 9th. Um, I, I don't remember who, but I feel like we've discussed uh, May 9th is a... Um, a day that... A goal. There we go. That's <laughs> That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, hold on. I see a bunch of stuff in the chat. Hi, Natalie. Good to see you. Uh, Vivian, you're a new name, new face. Uh, nice time to, or nice to see you. Nice to meet you. Um, Natalie said, good to see you back. I don't know what happened. Uh, honestly, a lot. We've been focused on incorporation. Uh, we've all had scheduling conflicts. There's there's kind of been a lot going on. Um, and that, that's part of what I want to talk about today. Um, we are going to be changing our format a little bit. Uh, we're going to be more focused on just bringing you straightforward content. Um, yeah. It's... It's been a difficult week. Um, actually, it's been a difficult few weeks. I've been working a ridiculous amount. Um, and we've all been struggling with that. So uh, glad to see everybody. Um, back to Ukraine. <laughs> um, a Ukrainian defense intelligence official is saying that uh, Russian troops are regrouping before advancing towards Kharkiv. Uh, seems to me they've been saying that over and over and over about every city. Um, so the, the Russians have pulled out of Chernobyl uh, and there, there's been a lot of concern about radioactive contamination, they the Russian forces appear to have dug trenches uh, in and around Chernobyl, um, likely to use as defensive positions, I would assume, makes sense. But the entire ground is fucking radioactive there, so uh, that may have been a short-sighted <clears throat> approach, but uh we will see uh the european parliament president told cnn that there are international war crimes being committed in ukraine uh <clears throat> which i guess just brings them on par with what the us and the ukrainian government has been saying since day one um Yeah. Yeah, Vivian, you can you can speak free. I just want it to be clear that no hatred uh, will be tolerated. Uh, we are <clears throat> generally speaking not afraid to use the the block button when needed, but you don't have anything to worry about if you're you know talking in good faith or um, generally not being hateful. 
I got used to working with music on again. This is this is more distracting than it should be because I'm not used to it. <clears throat> um Sorry. Moscow clo uh, forced the closure of Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch offices in Russia. Um they were expelled after they were found to be in breach of the current legislation of the Russian Federation. Um, so basically, uh, it has to do with allegations of war crimes by Russian forces in occupied Ukraine. Um, but I think that it's more or less a retaliation to uh russia's expulsion from the un uh human rights group all right i guess on to bucha um now before i before i dig too deep into this um, there is very clearly two sides of a propaganda war happening here. Russia is absolutely saying that it did not um, do what it is being accused of. They, they have repeatedly said that it is staged. Um, and the West says that that evidence doesn't stack up. Um, I'm not going to pretend to have the answers to that. But it seems as if it could have been um at least in part staged um that being said whoever is responsible uh should be held completely to account for the crimes that were committed there but um seeing as the ukrainians have been using their own people as human shields since the beginning of this um I agree with that too, Wade. It doesn't fit Russia's MO. Uh, we can get into that more in a minute. But uh, Ukraine has been consistently using their own citizens as human shields since day one. Why would I expect that this is not more of that? I'm not used to doing this by myself. I'm used to a lot more uh, air being filled here. Um, and, you know, not only hearing myself talk. Um, so there's there's been a lot of images of dead civilians on the streets of Bucha. Uh, that is shocked the world that has shocked me that has heightened concerns that russian soldiers are committing war crimes according to uh as as we already know vladimir Zelensky has been calling it genocide um and, and i'm not gonna get super deep into it but there has been apparently uh about 200 bodies of civilians that have been recovered so far um 
you know, and a, a lot of it looks, I'm sorry to sound this, to, to make this sound so desensitized, but it sounds like a war zone. Uh, destroyed homes, blackened buildings, blown out windows, um, and, and a strip of, of burned out cars and tanks. <clears throat> um, there have been explosives apparently recovered from homes in the city. Um, there, there's images of that. There was at least six bodies burned beyond recognition in a backyard. Um, according to the Ukrainian National Police. Um, this this quote, uh, Dmitryo Andreev, uh, spokesperson for the Ukrainian National Police, says, we know they were killed by gunfire because there are many bullet wounds. Then somebody tried to hide this crime by burning the bodies. Um, adding that the site had no signs of shelling or other explosives. So I'm just going to reiterate here um, that it, it doesn't fit the MO of Russia. It does, from what I have seen, fill the MO of Ukraine. Remember, these are the same people that were killing their own citizens to have an excuse to I uh, have an armed conflict with Russia for the last eight years. This is not a new situation. And, and this, to be honest, goes back to the, the, the time following the death of Stalin. Right? Like, I don't think that Putin is trying to rebuild the USSR. We have, several of us have repeatedly stated that. He is trying to rebuild the Russian Empire. Why do you think there was a Romanov wedding in Russia last year? Um, so I'm not trying to say that the Russians are completely innocent here. By, by no means. This is a war. Nobody, nobody is innocent. But Russia generally does not just indiscriminately attack civilians, from what I have seen. Ukraine does. Uh, the bodies left in the street makes me ask questions as well, Natalie. Um, I, I don't, I don't really know what to say. I don't, I don't pretend to have all of the answers. And to be honest, usually I have a lot more time to, to look into this stuff than I did today. Um, but how often do you see even in a war zone where there's just bodies left in the street like that um i i have seen claims that you know that that portion of it was staged and i wouldn't be that surprised but i also cannot in good faith claim that without having on um, more evidence <clears throat> um but that being said any western media that you go to um about the i 
I'm sorry, I just had a brain fart. Anything that you see on Western media um, about this is entirely beating the war drums. It is straight up State Department propaganda. And I, I'm sorry if that hurts some of you, but they're not being objective about this. They're just beating that Russia bad horse as much as they possibly can. Um, Natalie said propaganda comes from all sides. That, that cannot be understated here. Uh... I don't know. I guess I, I okay. So take this with a grain of salt, because this is this is coming from RT, um, which is Russian state media, as you know. Um, recordings obtained by RT paint a different picture regarding civilian deaths and looting near the Ukrainian capital. Um, so. Bucha and surrounding areas, uh, areas surrounding Kiev. Um, so there's a couple of, of conversations they claim to have, and I'm trying to, there we go. Hold on, hold on. Troops had been Sorry. stationed. Now, they contradict the Ukrainian government's version of the events that saw Russia accused of deliberately killing civilians. Let's listen to one of the recordings now. Our troops kicked out the Russians. Okay. And the troops went further. So the Territorial Defense Force went in and they looted the village. They were looting houses and shooting, taking everything. They looted absolutely everything. The first audio is a conversation uh, between uh, people of Ukraine's security service known as SBU, and one of them is apparently on the ground in the little town of Kuhare, that's not far from uh, the capital, Kiev, around 100 kilometers west of it. Um, and what is he basically doing? He's describing what he saw there, what he discovered there while, I don't know, walking around, maybe talking to residents, but that's unlikely because, again, it's a little village and it has been under fierce fighting it fell under the control of the russian army at the beginning of moscow's special military operation and around a month later in mid-march it was recaptured by ukraine's forces and shortly after that so-called territorial defense forces uh, they are volunteer battalions within ukraine's armed forces they came in and this man from the audio he's describing their behavior and their actions while they were there and you will hear it yourself now and you just heard a bit right uh he sounds surprised from what he found out and before we play another bit i have to tell you that there is another uh, town mentioned in uh this audio um the town of malino it's not far from kuhari and apparently these uh these people this battalion came from that place uh, let's take another listen yeah from March 24th to April 3rd after the Russians were driven out of here, the Territorial Defense Force came in from Malin. In short, during these days they were looting. They looted everything they could. They kicked in the doors, they kicked everything. Safes were opened, cars were taken away. They stuffed the cars with everything they found and took everything out. It turns out that the Muscovites did not take anything, but ours went in and completely plundered everything. There wasn't anything here already because of the fighting, no houses were left even. 
what was left was completely looted by our own. Interesting is that, that this man compares uh, Russian troops with uh, these people from territorial defense. And later in this conversation, uh, uh, the one from the ground also asks his colleagues whether these crimes and this behavior by uh, these people uh, should be documented. And he gets the answer, yes, they should be filed on it. So maybe we're going to hear any, like, I don't know, official statement from Kiev's side soon. And there were many journalists, but we have to understand that there were only particular Western journalists, apart from Ukrainians, on the ground there. So this audio is a conversation uh, uh, between Western journalists. It's in English. And again, one of them is on the ground in another town, which is also like 60 kilometers west of uh, Kiev, on the same road as the town of Bucha that we have been hearing a lot in the news recently. You remember about that, of course. Um, but uh, further to the West. And we can understand that this man, this journalist, was sent there, of course, to report, but particularly to try to find proofs of crimes committed by the Russian troops. And you will now hear that piece. Mm. He actually fails to find any evidence to that. Let's take a listen. So basically, just to explain, we're in Bodoryanka. So that's that place further on from Bucha. It's been shelled to pieces facades missing, whatever. There's no bodies in the streets at all. Uh, I've just spoken to a police forensic expert who said he hasn't seen any, and uh, they think there's probably people who are under the rubble or whatever. They've been killed in the shelling. But there's no evidence for any rights abuses here at all. One other journo, a French guy, said that he'd seen a body that had been killed by shelling, but then so in some other, we haven't found that, but, but no executions, nothing like that. So I don't know what the uh, prosecutor was going on about, to be honest. Um, it's true, this place has got far more shelling damage uh, than Bucha. But in terms of extrajudicial killings, there's no evidence at all. And in fact, the, the, some of the old ladies I've spoken to said the Russian troops were really nice to them. They gave them food, water, all of that. Interesting and actually sad to say, if you look through news reports coming right now uh, out of the town of Baradanko that this journalist mentioned, you will see a completely different picture. You will uh, read about piles of dead bodies lying on the streets again, like in the town of Bucha, and you will hear accusations uh, and you will hear about mass killings committed by the Russian troops. But this journalist says that... That's... that's it got through the recordings. That's all that really mattered there. Now, again, take it with a grain of salt. It's RT. Propaganda comes from all sides. But there is a lot of sources that you can find. Um, it takes a little, you know, doing if you're if you're Googling, uh, for example. But there are a lot of sources. There are a lot of places that you can go to find other angles of coverage on ukraine and i don't think that any of us should be believing western media wholesale on this uh let's not forget that the oscars right i think happened because they were trying to distract from biden's speech uh the night before calling for regime change in russia i think that's what that was um that's my own personal opinion. Um, I'm not here to talk about whether or not Will Smith was right or wrong. I think it was all Hollywood. Surprise. It actually is Hollywood. <clears throat> um, 
Yeah. Uh, what else do we got? Oh, fucking Doug Ducey. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Doug Ducey is the governor of Arizona. Um, as if he hasn't built enough of a legacy of, of being shitty, being a shitty governor. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let this parent, uh, this, this aired on Fox 10, which is the local Fox affiliate on March 31st. I'm gonna let this mother, is it a mother? Actually, either, either way, I'm just gonna shut up and let, let a parent, um, give their, their views on parents that. and even president biden speaking out against state laws that impose restrictions on the transgender community governor ducey just signed two bills that impact transgender children fox 10's nicole garcia joining us live now from the state capitol with more nicole Mark, today is the National Trans Day of Visibility and President Biden marking the day by announcing his administration is working to protect Americans from a wave of anti-trans bills that are being passed on the state level. Meanwhile, Governor Ducey saying today that he signed the most recent bills to protect trans children. These are permanent surgeries of reassignment that are irreversible. We're protecting children from irreversible decisions. The day after signing two controversial bills into law, Governor Doug Ducey defending his decision. One of the bills bans gender-affirming surgeries for trans youth under 18. The other bill bans transgender girls from playing sports that align with their gender identity in all public schools. There was an attempt to pass a non-discrimination bill on Arizona this year. There have been parents and advocates devastated at the new Arizona laws. It, it was a punch. It was a punch. You know, it, it takes away our rights as parents to make decisions to go there with our children. She has a four year old daughter who is transgender. The preschooler loves to draw, play and likes to swim. For her, for me to say, you'll never be part of a team, right? What you, I, don't, I just don't even know how how I'll, I'll, I'll tell her that. And um, President Biden promising his administration will stand up for the trans community. The onslaught of anti-transgender stuff. I want to interject right here to say that Joe Biden has no intention of standing up for any oppressed community. State laws attacking you and your families is simply wrong. Meanwhile, some parents now thinking of leaving Arizona for the sake of their kids. You know, when she reaches the age where she wants the surgery and she's ready for the surgery, and we know that the surgery decreases her suicide that it is a lifeline for her I, I think we will have to move and this afternoon the Department of Justice sending out a letter saying it will go after states that practice unlawful discrimination based on gender identity meanwhile Arizona Attorney General Mark Brnovich responded to the Biden administration on Twitter saying quote see you in court again Reporting live, I'm Nicole Garcia, Fox 10 News. I couldn't remember if they brought up that um, that tweet. 
but I mean, wow, right? Uh, and, and for Doug Ducey to say we're protecting children, that that hurts. You ain't protecting anybody. 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 Um, there has been other, I forgot the music. There we go. There has been other anti-trans and don't say gay, uh, legislation bills passed in, in several state legislatures or discussed at least. And I want to talk about that as well. Um, I thought I had these links pulled up, but no, no, I didn't. Um, this is from the ACLU. It was last updated today. Uh, it updates weekly on Fridays. Anti-LGBT bills are being discussed. Um, in Alabama, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Missouri, Mississippi, uh, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Wisconsin, and Virginia. Uh, that is on that is on restricting health care for transgender youth specifically. Um, and then for, for single-sex facility restrictions, uh, Alabama, Minnesota, Missouri, Oklahoma, and South Dakota, excluding transgender youth from athletics, we've got Arkansas, uh, Arizona, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Iowa, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, uh, Maryland, uh, looks like they did not go forward, Michigan, uh minnesota missouri mississippi new hampshire new jersey ohio oklahoma pennsylvania rhode island south carolina south dakota tennessee utah virginia wisconsin west virginia and wyoming uh wyoming also killed their bill on march 11th uh there there is a few in there that failed to pass uh or died in committee but this is eye-opening, right? It's not just, I, I mean, Arizona passed it, right? So that's why I wanted to talk about it. But then I, I was realizing, partially because of this AL, uh, ACLU document, um, Arizona's not the first one to try, and they're not the only ones trying right now. Uh, other school or curriculum restrictions, um, so I'm not sure if that has, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that's like, don't say gay, right? Like you can't say, you can't talk about the gays. You can't talk about trans people. Anyway, Alabama, Arizona, Florida, Georgia. You notice that Arizona is unlike all of these. It's fucking terrible. Uh, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Louisiana, Missouri, uh, 
New Jersey, Oklahoma, Rhode Island, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, and West Virginia. Restrictions on accessing ID, uh, accurate ID. Um, seems to just be Missouri and uh, Oklahoma. Or, sorry, Mississippi and Oklahoma. But uh, then there are other anti-trans bills in Iowa, Indiana, and New Hampshire. And there's religious exemption bills. Um, religious Freedom Restoration Acts in Iowa, New Jersey, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Uh, religious exemptions in healthcare implicating LGBTQ people is Florida, Kentucky, and South Carolina. Religious exemptions in adoption and foster care, Arizona, Iowa, Indiana, Kentucky, South Carolina, and West Virginia. These are, these just keep going on, right? Um, and then there's one more section of this that I want to cover, and then I'll, I'll, I'll probably go back through the chat and address some of the comments, honestly, but bills preempting local protections. So these bills prevent cities uh, and other local government um, from passing non-discrimination protections that are more expansive than the protections offered at the state level, uh, Tennessee, Wisconsin, and then uh, that that's for uh, other anti-LGBTQ bills, but uh, non-discrimination protection specifically has a, a bigger list. Um, Arkansas, Arizona, Florida, Idaho, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, Nebraska, New Jersey, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Carolina, uh, South Carolina, sorry, West Virginia. <clears throat> and that that's the last one. Um, that, that's the last one I'm going to talk about. But wow, right? Like. This is no small attack at all on the LGBTQ community. Uh, exactly, James, separation of church and state. What the fuck happened to that, right? This, this is something that we supposedly have been over for fucking 250 years. Why do we have to keep saying it, old man? That was a SpongeBob reference. I'm sorry if it uh, went over like a fart in a hurricane. But anyway. Um, let's see what else I've got on my agenda here. Um, I'm actually just going to scroll real quick through some uh, domestic politics type news because I haven't been, um, I haven't really been following it too much. How did I forget that? Uh, okay, so uh, we have a new Supreme Court justice. Um Katanji Brown Jackson. There we go. Sorry that that took me so long to pull up her name. Wow. 
Um, the Senate has confirmed Katanji Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court. That happened yesterday. Um, the vote was 53 to 47. So, you know, still very much on, on party lines. Um, Chuck Schumer said, this is one of the great moments of American history. Today, we are taking a giant, bold, and important step on the well-trodden path to fulfilling our country's founding promise. This is a great moment for Judge Jackson, but an, an even greater moment for America as we rise to a more perfect union. Um, naturally, the Democrats are, you know, Biden took a selfie with her. The Democrats are all, all very much like, yeah, see, we have a black woman Supreme Court justice. But she's just as conservative as Biden. That's not left representation. She's not... She's not friendly to the people. She's friendly to big business. Just like just like Biden, just like Obama was. He's a conservative neoliberal. I said he, but I was actually referring to Judge Jackson, so I butchered that. I'm sorry, she. Um I was talking about Biden before that. That's why my mind uh, you know, mess that up. But how did I forget about that? Like, really? That's, uh, um, so Biden's press secretary is moving to, to MSNBC. Um, ah, Well, she was negotiating for a job. But, I, I mean, like, seriously, though? Is MSNBC not already just that anyway, right? They're a mouthpiece for the Democrats. Uh, fucking, uh... Um, I could show you some funnies, but no, that's all right. Uh, the West is seeking to ramp up arms deliveries to Ukraine. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Greek railways. I forgot about this. I read this today. I meant to, to put it in my notes and I forgot. Greek railways were refusing to ship tanks and arms to Ukraine. Um, if that's not a bold anti-war move, I don't know what is. So uh, congratulations to our, our Greek comrades that are not allowing the weapons of war to move into this war zone. Um, To be honest, I don't think I have anything else left. Um, I'm kind of like stressing myself out that it's only a 45 minute stream, but it's because it's only me. So, you know, I give my two cents and then it's done rather than bouncing around, which will be coming back. Um, 
we were not able to make a, a panel uh, happen for this current event stream, but we will get back into the habit of, you know, having a current event stream every week. We will be returning to book streams. Um, this has just been a very difficult time. So, um, yeah, if you would like to get involved, we can always use help. Uh, I would like to remind everybody to head on over to forwearemany.org to stay up to date uh, with our organization. Um, we will be certainly having some announcements as well as uh, so, some written articles coming on our website here soon. Uh, I really need to change this slide now. We uh, shut down the, the Facebook group, uh, at least temporarily. It's archived um we did not have the time to run it so um you can of course find us on our facebook page for we are many um you can find us on youtube and twitch and twitter for our live streams but the mothership is for we are many.org also if you would like to help us um monetarily um, you know, so we can purchase better software, uh, we can purchase equipment for our hosts, um, you know, maybe we can even get the equipment to do some on the ground coverage of certain events. Um, all of that is possible. Every dollar matters. Um, you can do that at patreon.com slash for we are many, probably moving into May, we will be uh bringing back some uh patreon bonuses for our patrons we will be we will be eh. we will be doing like live q and a's we will bring back our zoom movie watch alongs um and more so uh bear with us pardon our dust so to speak um but we are back we're not going anywhere and i hope to see you all next time um, I'm sure that most of you probably know what time it is, but if you have not heard it, uh, the, our outro song is a song that was written more or less about the January 6th insurrection. Um, if that gives it any context or anything, and this was written by, uh, me, uh, my good friend Angel on the drums and, um, our one of one of our longtime hosts, uh, the mighty Lord Sterling. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you all have a great night. Oh,